Welcome inside the Legends Lounge, where baseball VIPs are hanging out and talking about their life in the game. The lounge is still open. Oh, <laughs> with Chipper in the house. <laughs> Scotty B, that was massive, bro. I mean, what what a better like leadoff hitter. Even though I don't know if Bobby Cox used him as a leadoff hitter all a lot, maybe a few times when he was younger. But he hit some blasts, and you know these those, those were memorable. Not only uh, comments. But then the, you know, uh, No Way Jose with Maddox, if you haven't heard it, make sure you find it and hear the Chipper Jones because that was outstanding. Yeah, it's not hard to find. We're here partnering up with Sirius. And obviously also you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, the whole deal. There's there's a number of places to go to to see where all of this is at because we're going to be coming at you weekly with big time guests. Hard. Yeah. And this one's super relevant this week. I think it was important for us to have a black player speaking to us on the week of Jackie Robinson Day. And not that we went so deep into, you know, being a black player in the game and necessarily Jackie Robinson, because, you know, this podcast is more just about the life stories and what you're doing now. And maybe you got kids in the game and where you're at in terms of your life after baseball, sharing some stories, but still important for us to have someone like Gary Sheffield stepping up in the two spot. Oh, no doubt. And I'm going to tell you why knowing him and being a brother, uh, a big brother and, and, and such a close and loving friend that we are both, not only as teammates, but you know, family, we both live in Tampa. Uh, you know, I grew up in Miami. He was here in Tampa Bay, but I'll tell you why it's it fitting. Cause he had a kind of, you know, I look forward to our, our time with him because he was a little tumultuous early on. He was up at 19, but then he settled down. And what a like a, a, a great personification of forget about just being a, a, a you know a prominent black man, a human being and a major league baseball player. So he blended all those together. Now a, a businessman, a foundation leader uh, with his wife, D. So I think it's so apropos, bro, to have a guy of the ilk of, of Gary Shelfield and what he's been able to accomplish. Yeah, he is highly accomplished. He is well spoken. And he is next on The Lounge. Yeah. A VIP guest has just arrived with serious credentials. Let's put it this way. If exit velocity was a thing... When he was playing, he would have fried the computer, oh, right? Yes. It would have broken. Nearly 2,700 hits in 22 seasons, over 500 homers, OPS over 900, nine-time All-Star, five-time Silver Slugger. You got a minute? A batting champ, a World Series champ, and some of the most ridiculous bat speed generated in the history of the sport. And I heard that he can still hit BP tanks. Oh. Right, yeah, no doubt. Gary yeah. Chef. Hey, welcome feels, inside the loud. Feel some bases too. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, I'm still doing a little bit. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was talking to Cliff Floyd recently, and he told me, "Hey, I saw Gary swing the bat," and he goes, "It's still dangerous." Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I got boys that's playing now. Um, you know, I'm always trying to teach them to hit the ball the opposite way, and they want to pull, and then you know when they go up to hit. You know, when they announce their last name, you know, you know, here come the breaking balls. 
And so I keep telling them, just go the, the opposite way. Nobody's going to come in on you. And it's been working so far. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, you are something special. Uh, a Tampa a beloved son uh, among so many that, that are from this area, as you all know, you know, from Freddie McGriff to Lou Pinella, uh, Wade Boggs, the list is, is, is you know, I'm going to go to one particular person who's actually your family. You and I played together back in 93 and 94. But back in 92, I'm going to go back to May 12th, because it's crazy how time flies. Yeah. But you face your uncle, yes. Doc Gooden, in, in one for the first time. You yeah. remember that deal? Yeah, May 12th, uh, yeah. 1992. Uh, talk about, about Doc, that that game, but also just the history you have with, with your family and your dad and Doc Gooden. Well, it was always a dream of ours to play against each other and then eventually play together. Uh, my granddaddy got to see, you know, us play against each other. And my mom, that's my mom's little brother. And so, you know, she was torn in between, but, but I'm the son. So, you know, so we had battles growing up, you know, all the years of uh, frustration, uh, being young, four years younger than him and having to face him and get beat up all the time. And so that prepared me for that day. And uh, when I faced him, I wasn't scared at all. You know, so, you know, I thought that, um, you know, I know he was ruthless on the mound. You know, he'll throw in on you and things like that. So I had no intention that he would do that. And when he did it, you know, him and my mom got into it after the game. So, but it was a great thing for my grandfather because he always said we would uh, be in the big league someday. How about that? Did he provide the best preparation you could receive because you faced him, right, yeah. growing up? Yeah. I mean, you faced, stuff-wise, one of the best pitchers of our generation. And that was his practice. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, I can yeah. hit Doc's yeah. fastball. I think I'll yeah. be good in the bigs. Well, it took me some years, you know, to <laughs> right. figure it out. You know, I was I was just a guinea pig at first, you know, just go out there. And I had to go on top of the house to get the balls when he hit me on top of the house and things like that. Right. But then, you know, the, the feud just kept building and building. And I would always run in the house crying. You know, he, <laughs> if I didn't catch the ball or hit the ball, he would get on me and or hit me or do something. And so, you know, I would always go in and tell my mom and – or tell my granddad, and my granddad would just toss the ball back out there and tell us to go back out there and play. So I thought it was abuse. And then so whatever. at the same time, I was learning something, and I didn't know it. You know, I was better at football, and that was my, my, my childhood dream to be Tony Dorsett. And so I thought I was better in football than I was baseball, and then something clicked. When I was 11 years old, I started, you know, really, like, squaring them up. And then doing things that, you know, guys in the neighborhood didn't think I could do at that time. And so guys my age didn't have a chance. And so that, you know, that came, you know, because of, you know, Doc pushing me that way. There's no doubt. I mean, and he was an incredible athlete himself. I mean, yes. people forget how, what a good hitter he was, yeah. what a good all-around player he was. Uh, Doc was something special. In fact, in my book. You know, get, taking him deep in shade is one of my, my glorious yeah, moments of yeah. my career. <laughs> That's a special moment. It is moment. a special <laughs> moment. And, you know, I'll never forget that. But uh, going back to that time, you said 11 years old, you know, the area here was just chock full. Yeah. You were one of the younger ones because yeah. you always had Freddie, you know, Tino, uh, Louis Gonzalez. You know, they're always three, four, five years older than you. But right. then you came up and you came up fast. Right. Um, take us back to that era and, and how, how competitive it was. Floyd Yeomans, yeah. for example. Well, you know, those was our idols growing up. You know, we used to look up to those guys, and I used to go to watch them play against, you know, important games, Little League World Series, you know, regionals, districts. I, I watched everything. I, I mimicked how they throw, how they catch, how they hit. I saw a lot of great talent, and so I just wanted to make a name for myself. And, uh, 
you know, when my uncle started pushing me and started bragging about me, you know, it became, you know, I got to live up to it. Yeah. So for me, with the fo- football background, I think it helped me because, uh, you know, I had no fear on yeah. the baseball field. No, he did not. No. And what was the separation, by the way? Between four years. Four years. Yes. Which is, I, I'm always, are you a big proponent of that? Like, I have family where the younger yeah. cousin is, is better than the older brother and me because he's yeah. playing with us and he yeah. was much younger, but suddenly, you know, I was playing basketball, he's running up and down the floor with us. But nobody was better than him. No, right. <laughs> yeah, right? You nobody. Know, <laughs> unless he is, you know, yeah. someone that's younger than him that's yeah. playing with him, yes. right? Yeah. Isn't it just naturally you're going to face better competition mm-hmm. and you're growing up with it, so then you adjust to that quick? Well, I think um, for me, and I, I'm sure a lot of kids, you know, it's who you face it which the intimidating factor and the fact that you saw them growing up, once you get past that, then the, the talent and the, the skills against another man is not, it's nothing. Uh, once I got, I faced Nolan Ryan, you know, after I got over the fact that it was Nolan Ryan, you know, I didn't have no problem hitting him. Same with Roger Clemens, same with Randy Johnson, all these guys, you know, when you see them, you say, okay, that's Randy Johnson or that's Nolan Ryan. But once you get past that, then your talents take over. And you did Little League World Series as I did well. Little League World Finals, Series, yes, right? yes. Against Taiwan. That was, my, that was my ultimate goal because my uncle, you know, he went twice and they lost twice. Right. And I wanted to be the first one to win. And um, I got there my, at 11 years old and uh, we wound up coming in second. We lost as well. And, and now I know what it felt like because I know he was distraught over it. And I was crying after the game when we lost. But that was the driving force to, to – you know, to go for perfection. And, and so that's when I understood you can't just play baseball for the sake of playing it. You got to perfect it. And you had Derek Bell. Had right Derek on Bell. We yeah. had Maurice Crom. We had, um, um, you know, Derek Pedro. We had a lot of guys yeah, that, that get drafted. Yeah. We had uh, five Belmont guys. Belmont Armstrong. Yes. yes. Um, you move forward and uh, you get drafted in the first round, which uh, – you were looking forward to it. If not, you probably wouldn't have signed. If yeah. you, you were one of the top picks. Right. And, and me knowing you. And Brewers take you, and you get up quick. Yeah. And you're a brash shortstop. They went to change. Were you okay with the, the, the shortstop, the third base deal, or you, you kind of went? No, to, I wasn't. I didn't uh, think so. You know, I wasn't. Uh, the thing is, is that I played shortstop my whole life. Right. We, we just didn't have an infield coach to just show us footwork and things like that. I would catch any ball that was hit to me. It was the throwing. And you had, was, yeah, you had a whole, you yeah, always had a great yeah, arm. It's just the footwork to get the throw right. going to the right place. But the way I threw the baseball, I threw it side on. Yes. You know, I flick it over there, right. and I had a lot of uh, velocity on it. And they wanted to get me out of that. And they wanted me to be Sean Dunstan, you know, a power hitting Sean Dunstan. And they wanted me to come from the top and throw the ball over the first base. But I couldn't find that arm slot to make it work for me. And so... They, you know, from the hitting and the fielding, they wanted me to do it their way. And so that's when I started looking back at, you know, I was happy that they drafted me where they did, but I felt like I should have been number one in the draft. Right. Uh, going to the Pittsburgh Pirates because I would have got the opportunity to play with Barry Bonds, Bobby Benet, yeah. playing on that the turf. Was that was it. That, that was yeah. what I was looking at. But I say God had a plan yeah. and, uh, you know, he put me where he was supposed to. I'd say it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah he, I, I, I got to play with me in '93. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He got That's what I'm saying. I mean, that was that was it. When he met this Cuban, it was all she wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I locked him next to Barry and Bobby Bo yeah, for a, year, yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. So that would have been special yeah, for you. Trust me. Yeah. 
Oh, man. And that team was young, and then you would have fit right in. Well, but, I thought it was the perfect fit. You know, uh, you know they were short. You know, they had a good shortstop, but you know the thing was, that I was a power. I mean, Jay Bell back then. Yeah, but I was a power. Yeah, no, no, no. You would have, you would have trounced Jay yeah. Bell. Jay was a heck of a player. Yeah, he in fact, was. he lives here he in Puerto Rico. But I'll tell you what. Speaking of perfect situation, you crush it with 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 the Marlins, no doubt. Yeah, right. I mean, won the World Series, set all their records. You got to a point, uh, uh, G, that you just you kind of outplayed that 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 area as right. far as money wise. Right. And talking about a perfect place, you went to Atlanta with Bobby Cox and, 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 a, and a team that really was on the upswing and established and won all those championships. But I'm going to ask you a question that I, that I think knowing you as well as I do. You know, there's a phrase, and I'm going to paraphrase it because we're in a new political climate. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, a person, a successful person can only be as successful as their uh, significant other. Right. And in Atlanta, you meet Dee, right. your future wife. Right. I, I talked a little bit about that, where you came from, because I played with you yeah. and you were brash. Yes, yes. You went to Atlanta, and it seemed like you had a shift at that point, and your game took off. Well, at the, you know, before I met my wife, you know, I always looked at baseball. It was easy. It was easy to play the game. So it was nothing for me to, to worry about when I stepped on the field. And so I let people know that I was going to damage you that day. And so, you know, I wanted to strike as much fear as I could in the opposing pitcher or the opposing team. And, uh, you know, I used to get pitchers try to talk to me before games, and I, I didn't want no part of it. And so the game kind of changed for me when I met my wife because, you know, at the time I was, uh, you know, I was, I was uh, on fire for God at the time and, and trying to find my faith. And, and then when I met my wife, I knew God had sent her. And so I was in a conflict. I was in a conflict of being that old guy or being a new guy. Right. And so it didn't translate on the baseball field. And, and I didn't have that fire to go out here and do damage to people like I would in the past. So I was having to go through that balance. And then eventually, you know, she just told me, just be yourself, you know, and but just know that you're a good person and, and, and you try to, push, you know, just go for perfection, whether it's, a, you know, of, you know, seeking God or, or, or on the baseball field. And um, it kind of changed my game. Yeah. Well, you got, you. I mean, some of your best years were right after that, you know, your MVP year in 2003 when you went to the Yankees. And, you know, you put some numbers up that, that people thought, well, I thought it was earlier that he was going to do that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then later on, that's, yeah. that's the longevity of your career and what impresses me. Obviously, the 500 home run. And it's just how consistent for me, a Hall of Famer is consistently being great at one or multiple things for an extended period of time. And and, and this cat, you know, more than does that. Oh, yeah. It's from 20 to 40. Yeah, it's right. all objective. You know, I like know. I say, you know, uh, what's the difference between Derek Jeter and, and Mike Trout? You know, way they got drafted. Yeah. And so, you drafted. know, if Mike Trout was on what, the Yankees, city he got a on. chance to win championships. <laughs> yeah. You may be yeah. looking at the greatest of all time. Right. But the right. fact that he's never really played in important games, you're not going to look at him that way, you know. And, right. and so that's how I look at the game, you know, who you get drafted by, you know, your situation. Did they expect you all to win? What did you do to contribute during right. the, the, you know, the bad days, being on bad teams and then getting the good teams and still doing the same thing? Ernie so, Banks is a good example yeah. of that. Okay. Yeah. He never won a title. Right. But, you know, inside of baseball, we know right. how great he was. Mm -hmm. But really, he's not mentioned, right. you know, amongst and this guy was, you know, yeah. did it all. That's right. It's tough because baseball for so many years had such a tight 
inner circle of success mm-hmm. team wise. I'm mm-hmm. saying, right. I mean, some of the other sports and it's been like that for years, it's like half the league makes the playoffs. Right. And finally over the years here, baseball's continuing to expand out. It's, it's up to 12 teams. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's good overall for the game? And I'm saying more on the side of sure for, for fans, more fans to be in it. Cause you want to, there's so many opportunities to take people's attention away. Right. So if you're following a team, that is off to a you know five and fifteen start or something, right. and you're in a city you're like, eh, probably not going to make it. Now you start to extend the chances. Mm-hmm. So that's for fans. Right. But for me, what you're saying makes me think of players. Okay, I'm Trout. Um, there's plenty of other guys in the league, even on his team, also mm-hmm. Otani. Right. They don't have that opportunity to showcase themselves on a national stage. Right. A lot of the regular season gets hyper focused on local. So if you do, of course, there's going to be a limit. You don't want 20 teams making it into the playoffs. Right, right. But is that a way for the league to market its stars better because more of them have a chance to play meaningful games? I think that they need to make a couple of rule changes. Okay, um, what do you got? Um, <laughs> you know, baseball is not like football or basketball. You know, Brady gets to touch the ball every play. Correct. LeBron gets to touch the ball every play. We don't get to touch the ball. Uh, we don't get to stand at the plate every play. But I just think that after the uh, six in and on, I think that you should be able to shuffle your lineup the way you want to. That'd and so I, I just think that, you know, you, when you look at guys that, you know, most when I was coming up, it was second basemen and shortstops couldn't hit. Right. And so you have a lot of guys. You have probably two. Not that they got rid of the DH is good, which you have probably two guys on top of the DH that couldn't hit. So that's three guys in your right. lineup is automatic outs. And so basically I feel like after the sixth inning, you should be able to go with your best six hitters. So and you eliminate three hit three yeah. hitters. Well not if they have the DH, you eliminate, you know, you eliminate two. Two hitters. Two hitters, yes. right. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So so yeah. you would have you would basically reset your lineup starting in the seventh? Yes. Okay. I like and then yeah. would that keep rolling though? Yes. So you you and so the seventh you inning, to, now I got my big boys right. for the rest of the game. Right. So either they're going to hit third or they're going to hit fourth. Mm-hmm. So now they got a chance to show up each inning. Right. So now when you get the extra innings, here they come, I, again. Here they come again. Yeah. So I think that that would speed the game up. I think it would give more you excitement. Know, give more excitement. Fans would get to see an extra at bat from their star players. And then you will see the games decided by your best players. I like it. I, I, I like it. I know who doesn't like it. Who? Pitchers. Well, <laughs> but, but here's the thing with pitchers. Here's when they've made it harder on the hitters. You don't see a guy for six, seven innings. Yes. Three at-bats. You, you don't, don't see a guy for three at-bats. Well, that's why I say they need to have rule change because they, they, they change the way they go they're, about they're, rotations. Yeah. You know, these guys pitch three, four innings, and it's considered a good start. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you know if you have to see me twice in those three innings, yeah, it's not a good start. It's not, it's not yeah. going to be a good start for you. Exactly. Yeah. No, if you think about it, in, in hockey, in, in the uh, in the in the, uh, the overtime, in the overtime, they go three on three. Yes. So you just, you're going your best three against your best, your best three. three. These are the guys, and it's quicker, it's faster. So many. Well, these are money guys. These are the guys you pay all the money to. Right. So why wouldn't they have a, a say in the game it's when guy. it's most important? Man, you never told me about this one. <laughs> I mean, I knew you were smart, but I knew you were this smart, man. Where, where you getting this stuff? Well, you know, I just... D? Well, D? Well, give well, some you, 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 no, no, no. I, 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 I think it out. You think you're figuring out when you have another? Well, I just think that, uh, you know, pitchers, you know, they have to pitch, uh, you know, like a certain amount of pitches. You know, if you start the game, you got to throw a certain amount of pitches. Regardless of Regardless. how bad you're doing. Yes. 
Yes. So what be fifty pitches? I guess yeah. I'll, I'll counter that though, just because you know that in baseball, if there's any way to kind of find a crevice where you can work around that, you're going to do it. So yeah. a pitcher is going to say, "Oh, I'm hurt," or even if they don't say, "I'm hurt," and leave the game, because I know you could probably say, "Okay, if you're hurt and leave the game, then you can't pitch for." X five amount days. of days, right? Yeah, five days. I guess the, the counter then to that also is going to be our pitcher's going to say, hey, because I stayed in longer, it led to my injury. But but you say, what, tough? Hey, learn Basically, how to if you can't build throw, it up. If you, you can't, can't throw, throw 50, 50, 50, 60 pitches, yeah. 60 pitches you shouldn't have been. Yeah, every five days. it's the same thing. Like, you know, it disturbs me when I see a guy making $20, 30000000 million and can't go five innings. No. I mean, Ridiculous. so, you know, me and Pedro Look at get out. Had, had this argument on air uh-huh. um, about uh, Salvarino. You know, they was hyping this guy up because he threw 100 miles an hour, but he could never get out of the fourth inning. Right. And then he tried to say on air that this guy had a quality start. And I told Pedro, that's not a quality start. And I said, what if you went for it? And then that's when he went and changed his mind. Yeah. <laughs> you turned him? I turned well, him. Well, yeah. And he probably said, well, he's not me. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, if you're going to be talking about right. what you're talking about, it, right. you know, you got to at least go six innings. How about the the, the amount of games? I, I, we're getting to a point that I, I feel, it was, you know, just I, I'd rather have a not compete against football and, and actually have some of the World Series openly at the beginning of the season, already prepared to go into November 1st and 2nd. Mm-hmm. I, I can't understand that. It's you also need, cold out. Yeah, it's really I mean, cold. Or in Minnesota or, you know, somebody makes it like that. You know how you all yeah. said that you have a longer playoff. That's what I'm saying. You yes. shorten the season. Shorten the season and have a longer And have playoff. a longer playoff. So you talking about you don't face uh, uh, Brady touches the ball every time right. and LeBron. You, I, I, am, I abhor the one-game wild card. Baseball is not well, to well, be decided in one game. Well, now, at least, now it's going to be best. Yeah, now it's yeah, going to be best. I think the last... But when they had that before, it was just killing I think, me. I think the last 25 games should be decided in a playoff format. You know, so that way you can eliminate, you know, 25 games. 25 games. <laughs> yes. I'm with you there. I'm telling you, it's too many games. Yeah, it is. In this day and age of give me stuff fast now, uh, people are just not... Especially when the football season starts, you know, railing in in, in September... You need to you need to be getting going into your playoffs. Well, it's it's, it's, it's it's a lot to do with the taxing of your best player. Sure, you know I remember um, I I wanted to take some days off just to, to you know get refreshed and um, you know I was told I got to be on the field and because we need you right. And so when when you hear that word we need you, you're gonna come through for your no your doubt. players and and your team and so and then all of a sudden by the time you get the playoff, it affects you. Because you should have took those games off, and if you would have, you would have seen that happen numerous times with yeah. the teams. Yeah. Boston, you know, a few years ago with uh, Chris Sale, right? He was just overused. Yeah, and, and he was, pitchers, yeah, yeah. yeah. So relievers actually, because now with the starters going, well, but they're so it's all watered so so much now by yeah. almost all teams that you shouldn't get you know two hundred innings is like nirvana now right, for, for a pitcher, right, you know, right. All right, so before O gets to his story time, mm-hmm. one of the specialties of this podcast is life after baseball, mm-hmm. you know, and pro athletes in general. Busy. What? I know him well. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's why I want to make sure people know because, you know, this is for, you know, athletes that get out of the game and many of them are lost or maybe just temporarily need advice, right. need to see what is everyone doing. I mean, that's one of the specialties here is, is 
hey, we have all these incredible guests, these players in the lounge that had amazing careers. So what was that transition like for you? What are you doing now? Like, where have you kind of found your second life in your career? Well, I think it's, it's difficult for younger players now because they don't have the mentors that we had. Um, it's, you know, guys coming in the league, the oldest guy on the team is 32 years old. Yeah. And so uh, that, that affects some of these kids because, you know, what do you do when you, you dive into money and, and success? If you don't, you don't grow up with it, so what do you do with it? And so I had, the, 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 you know, the, the pleasure to meet Dave Winfield and the Kirby Puckets and all of these guys, and they took the time out to sit me down and talk to me. And Dave Winfield is a guy that's he's a business-minded guy. And um, I stayed across the street from him in L.A., and I asked him the question, uh, what do you do when you retire? How do you plan for retirement? How do you know you have enough money to retire? And he broke all of that down to me. And so I was more ready for retirement than I was. And it took me, I played another eight years after that. I was ready to retire eight years before uh, because he told me um, all the, the ins and outs about it. And I, was, and I was already in that situation. And so I said, okay, I don't need to play anymore. And then they kept giving me contracts, so I just kept playing. <laughs> and so, you, you know, when I, yeah, when I walked away from the game, it was no big deal for me. It was just like, just go do what you've been doing. And uh, I dived into real estate. I dived into a lot of different things, and I owned a lot of different things. And, and when I started paying attention to that, it got my mind off of baseball. But, you know, come January, December, January, I would always have that itch to train and, and, and get back into it, even though I knew I wasn't playing. And so after two years of that, I knew it was over for me. And so I dove into different things and, and I, it got my mind off of it. But uh, and the foundation has been great. The foundation has yeah. been great. You know, yeah. we put yeah, a lot of people through college. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we do a lot for the church. We do a lot for younger kids and, and just, uh, you know, being mentors to them. Well, he's a great story for this area. I can't say enough. We've been friends for, you know, 30 years. But uh, listen, in this show, the, in the lounge, we always give an opportunity, and it's called No Way Jose. Oh, no way, Jose. Something crazy that happened yeah. uh, on and off the field or some wacko player that you played with. <laughs> you know, I, we all played yeah. with, a, with yeah. more than one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you couldn't tell the story at the time. Yeah. At the time, yeah. you couldn't yeah. tell the story to the press. You can't like, come in and go like, you're not going to believe what this guy did last night. <laughs> we were on the bus. No, yeah. just kidding. But, uh, you know, something that happened that you remember most vividly uh, during your career. Well, there's two things. Okay. Uh, and both, you know, uh, it's about Nolan Ryan. <laughs> I like it. And so the first first time, I'm a 19-year-old kid, and uh, we're playing in Milwaukee. And Nolan Ryan comes over to the third baseline. He was walking out the, the, the pitch, and we was coming up the hit. Uh, we just got uh, one, two, three. And and I'm looking at him, and Dave Winfield, uh, uh, not, not Dave Winfield, Dave Parker, uh, was uh, standing next to me, and he was, like, giving me the breakdown on and so I'm looking at him, and so he picks up some grass on third base side and throws it in the air and looks at our dugout. And then all of a sudden, he comes to the first base side and do the same thing. So he looked dead at us. And so I asked Dave, I said, what is he doing? He said, don't bunt, kid. <laughs> <laughs> don't bunt. Yeah, said, that's oh, good. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so he no-hit us that day. No, and, no, seriously. Yeah, he no-hit us. Oh, wow. And so then um, the, the next year, um, he was with the Texas Rangers, and we're playing in Texas, and I'm, I'm leading off. And uh, I go up there, 
And I was like, man, if I could just get a hit off of Nolan Ryan, that would make my career. Right. And so, you know, I, I, wasn't ner- I wasn't scared, but I was more nervous than scared. Right. And so, you know, I remembered the no-hitter. You know, I was like, man, I got to get a hit. And, you know, that's all I was thinking. So I go up there. The first pitch he throws me, I hit a home run. Foul. To left field. And I was like, man, that was my opportunity. The next pitch was behind my neck. Of course. And so I dove forward. And I thought I was dead. And, uh, and you so, saw it coming yeah, in. Yeah, so I looked at the dirt. I said, I ain't dead, so you can get up. So I got up. The next pitch, he threw me a curveball. I hit another foul home run. And then the next pitch was at my chin. So I dived backwards. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm dead again. And the next pitch, he throws me a curveball. I hit it off the uh, left field wall for a double. And I got, and when I had slid and, and I stood up and I went to pump my fist, he was standing right there, and, I, and then I stopped. And I put my hands down. <laughs> put your hands down. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. My first at bat today, I'm going to face him again. And he tips his cap to me. Nice. Yeah, that was okay. my introduction. That was it. Yeah. Nolan was you on do, another level. Yeah, no. Different no. level. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yo. That guy, when he, when he brought he it. real. No, when he brought it. People will say he threw seven though. Hit it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, but it was it was those stories that yeah. added to yeah. The, yeah, the attitude. Yeah. Because if someone does get a knock, the next time around, suddenly you're playing defense with your body, yeah. right? Like right. you're worried about yes. it's coming out. Oh, he crossed so over fast. from yeah. the the '60s. You got to remember, he lasted yeah. so long that it was the Don Newcomb, you know, yeah. Drysdale, yeah. Uh, Gibson. Well, you know, uh, you know, era that somebody don't dig in. in. Well, somebody when I had told that story before, somebody said Nolan uh, responded to it, say that uh, he respected me and, and from that day, and he said that was my introduction to the major leagues. Right, and he said Two once he did, he said once he did what he did, and I came through, he, he felt no need to do it again. He said you gained my respect. Wow, that's the initiation yes. right there. It was a hard way to get initiated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> front you got to have it. Quick reaction yeah, to make sure yeah. you avoid that. Yeah. We could be talking to a ghost right here. Exactly. If you think about it right here. He could be dead. It's yeah. crazy. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. Chef, so good to see you. Oh, thank I you, appreciate, man. I appreciate you hanging it. out with us in the lounge. This Week in Baseball. I got to tell you, oh, you're two for two. You've got what? a segment that's hot. <laughs> because Dude. I'm thinking back to our chef interview, and there, there's a lot to like, but. I got to tell you, when we go from a Greg Maddox story in week one with Chipper Jones to the great Nolan Ryan intimidation tactics in week two with Gary Sheffield, you've got something cooking here, man. Brother, and he gave a double dosage of No Way Jose, you know, tying into Nolan. It was beautiful, and I loved how he appreciated Remember when I told you that I was looking forward to hearing the migration of his youth and a little bit, you know, bravado at 1920? But he quickly learned, and by the time he got to Atlanta, you know, he, he shorted up, and he became really a leader with the Yankees and other teams. Man, I love that man. I literally will tell you that I love that human being, and uh, he didn't disappoint. We're two for two. If that's the way we're going, <laughs> three, four, like th- the third and fourth hitter, my God, uh, we're going to have to hire a mission at the lounge, bro. We're going to have to have a bodyguard, uh, roped off, you know, like red carpet, and people going to be like, yo, Scotty B., uh, can you hook me up with the VIP at the lounge, dog? <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I can actually, because if you're listening right now, <laughs> I can actually give you a little VIP experience here. Just give you a little sneak peek. Next week on the schedule, on the docket, Lou Pinella, week after hey. Dante Bichette, okay? Tell your Three, friends. Four. We'll see you back here for that. No big deal. Let's move right to some of our regulars each week here, which include 
the oh-so-famous, very quickly, this week in baseball history. Uh, I've got three for you. Number one, and most importantly here for a week like this, exactly. uh, one of the most impactful moments, not only for the game of baseball, but for American culture and society. We think back to April 15, 1947, Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, first black baseball player in a major league game. It's a special week where we honor Jackie and his impact, not just on the game of baseball, I'll say it again though, but really across you know, American culture and society. And that's why Jackie Robinson Day to me is maybe the most important day on the baseball calendar. Man, well put, because really I think it deserves a day, a week, a month, a year. The, what this man did and what he went through, they, you know, obviously, uh, you know, they, they picked uh, the perfect guy because he was so well-schooled, well-spoken, articulate, and, and, and had a thick skin because he went through a lot. But here was what's most you know, impressive uh, for me. You know, he was a multi-talented athlete, not just baseball, uh, but also basketball and, and, and other sports and uh, track and field and how well-spoken he was. And the thing for me is that it was the precursor, you know, to other black players. Larry Doby, obviously the first one in the American League. By the way, the first black Hispanic player was one of my mentor, may he rest in peace, Orestes Mini Minoso, who has yes. a, a plaque, I mean, a statue, rightfully so, in Chicago. I became very, very dear friends with him in the last, like, probably 10 or 15 years of his life. And he told me great stories of playing in the Negro League, being the first Hispanic black player from Chicago White Sox, and um, and going through things, he, you know, double minority. He didn't even know English when he came as a young boy and couldn't go, you know, places and, and, and couldn't eat here and there. So, uh, you know, what a story they went through. And it ushered, you know, the, the, the likes of these other great Tony Olivas and Carew, obviously one of the greatest Hispanic players, Roberto Clemente, and, and, and opened the doors for the likes of myself. And, you know, I think one of the most beautiful parts of a day like Jackie Robinson Day is just these conversations. That's really the part of it. Sometimes, you know, I think people are searching for ways that they can contribute to a cause or keep a story going. It's like, just talk, just talk, just listen, a lot of listening, like to you, about what you just said. That's really half the battle there in terms of educating people on what Jackie went through and then some of the other impactful people that have had to break barriers since then. So I love it. Thanks for sharing. You got it, buddy. Also this week in baseball history, I have two others for you and they're both interconnected. 1969 first big league ball game played outside of the U S Jerry park in Montreal, Quebec, the expansion expos taking down the reigning NL champ, St. Louis Cardinals eight to seven. And then 1984. So fast forward 15 years to April 14, and it's the Expo's home opener. You had the eventual all-time hit king, Mr. Pete Rose, joining Ty right. Cobb as the only other player to reach 4,000 knocks. Oh, my gosh. My liner God. off Jerry Kuzman into the right field corner of Olympic Stadium. And for him, he was one day shy of his, let's see, 43rd birthday. 21 years to the date from his first big league hit. How many hits did you have in your career, O? Brother, I, I mean, I would have to tack on Japan and, and the Miami. Oh, that's true. Thankfully, I guess thankfully. my point in the question, though, o, is just how, how freaking tough it oh, is no. I mean, to get I one had, singular knock like, and to do it 4,000-plus times. Like a 1,000-something hits. I mean, I was like I was four times short. 
put it that way. Uh, but the bottom line <laughs> is that is what I love. I remember being a kid and going to watch him get his 37. Remember, he had the 44 game hit streak, the longest in the National League. And I was with my aunt at a, at a, at a Reds at Shea Stadium. I remember used, I told you before that I used to visit from Miami, my aunt and uncle, and they'd either take me to Yankee or, 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 or Met games. And he got his 37th consecutive uh, game, and I watched that. And uh, and what I loved is how hard he played. I was like, you know, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. I go, this guy's nuts. And and showed at 43 later on, he still played that hard. So he was something else, man. Charlie Hustle, getting it done. Can't take it away from him. Where are they now? I don't know. This might become my favorite segment. You know, the idea (laughs) actually came from reading Sports Illustrated when I was a kid. And they always had the where are they now, right? Right. I wonder what this guy's doing now. Well, good news. As we uh, work with the... MLB Players Alumni Association. We can answer many of those questions. Exactly. We can, we can also cherry pick uh, some of the better stories. And that's what we're here to do here. So it's nice and simple. Where are they now? Today, in our installment of Where Are They Now? We're going to honor Herb Washington. This is a player with, I would say, one of the more unique careers that you'll ever come across. So his yeah. 1975 Tops trading card is the only one in baseball card history to list the player's position as pinch runner. Pinch runner. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting because I remember it. And, and again, I was, you know, a, a youngster really falling in love with baseball at, at seven, eight years old back then. And 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 I I loved Reggie Jackson. So I, I followed Reggie Jackson's career from being number nine as an Oakland A going to Baltimore, then obviously the legendary Mr. October with the Yankees. But I remember this guy, and it was like, uh, this guy doesn't hit. He just, I, I think his at-bats are minimal, right? And uh, not many. I mean, he has a, a handful, but he sure could run. He was like a Bob Hayes, you know. He ran like Hayes, did not hit like Mays. I'm going to tell you that much. <laughs> Good little major league drop there. And, hey. I will say a modern version for, for the youngsters out there. Think about Terrence Gore and what he did yeah. with the Kansas City Royals and then still kind of latched on with some other teams as a pinch runner option um, in recent history. So th- this was one of the OG versions of that. Uh, Charlie Finley uh, was the, the owner back then and one of those kind of like eccentric owners of the, of the Oakland A's and and he did some, you know, some fun things and, and allocated for, for a lot of fun at, at that ballpark back in the day. I'm a big trading card guy, too. We've kind of revitalized that in my life. So I'd love to look up and see what that card worth just based on the fact that, you know, it is a slice of history. When you have a card, say, with a misprint, that usually stands out. You have a card right. here that stands out as pinch runners. So I'll have to look one up <laughs> and see what a, a PSA 10 looks like for a Herb Washington. That And the nickname was Hurricane Herb, of course. Of course. So he was a... He was a track star. Just looking through his bio here, a 5.1 second 50-yard dash at 16 years old. Came to the Oakland A's in 1974 at age 22. Had not played baseball since the summer between his sophomore and junior years of high school. And right. actually, you're right. Finley did this with six designated runners during a time period there, where he would pick up guys that really could run and teach them how to 
utilize the bases. And uh, Washington ultimately picked up 31 stolen bags in actually surprisingly 48 attempts. He wasn't as efficient as I thought well, he would have been over two seasons you know, in baseball. As you know, I mean, and, and I got the pleasure of, of playing, you know, for a little bit and a bunch of spring training with the great Ricky Henderson. And he was fast as lightning, but he was methodical about stealing it from the pitcher. And he always says that. And the great ones always say it. Lou Brock, may rest in peace. I'll tell you what, uh, it's not all about speed, but it was just interesting. And it scared the heck out of the defense whenever that guy ran out the first base <laughs> or second base. It just it just made them like, oh, no, not, not Herb again. Jeez. You know? Yeah, well. He ran track, played two seasons of football for a little school called Michigan State. Hello. <laughs> Bachelor's of Science degree in education. Here's where the where are they now pops up, okay? Okay, so okay. in 1975, Washington bought a McDonald's franchise in Detroit, Michigan, near his hometown of Flint. So he picked up a franchise. The speedster was like, you know what? I'm running to Rochester, New York. So in 1980... He built up a chain of McDonald's. And by 1990, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System appointed him as director of the Buffalo branch of the Federal Reserve Get out of, here. of New York. And then, it, they, wait, there, but wait, there's more. Two years later, he was named chairman of the Board of Directors of the institution. Then, Herb, he's fast, moved to Ohio, 1998. He bought 19 McDonald's restaurants in the Youngstown, Ohio area and, and thrived there. And then in 2012, he, he had a company called HLW Fast Track, which at the time owned 25 McDonald's outlets, ranked number You know 56. how much money that was generating? Holy jeez. A, a lot. And, and, and this is how I tie it all, in, all together into uh into a week where we're honoring jackie robinson of course we're picking a player who, who at one point ranked number 56 on the black enterprise top 100 a list of the largest companies in america owned by african americans outstanding that's right really, one more last part he also owned the youngstown steelhounds of the central hockey league from 05 to 2008 <laughs> so even in hockey here is full circle herb washington becoming a very unique player in major league baseball and then going on to have a career where i think a lot of people would respect what he was able to do after baseball this is what i'm talking about where you can really hey and i i know you you dabble in a lot of different areas after your baseball yes. career here and it, it's certainly in the business world too so i i know you have a ton of respect for a player like this and i wanted to make sure that that we honored it where are they now as a player who was on the top 100 of the black enterprise list that's like that's that's, really i cool. mean we're talking guys like you know like uh vet's you know mr johnson and, and gentlemen like the businessmen like that of that top 100 i will say this he worked really fast and growing hey no pun intended he's really fast <laughs> and he was just stealing money with those mcdonald's i'm telling you what <laughs> uh, hey. It's a great call, but it just goes to show, <laughs> hey, you can say it out. Once the career is over, and this is part of the theme of, of what we're doing here each week, life's not over after baseball. You know, and some guys, I will say this, some guys, especially nowadays that have made a lot of money, they, I've spoken to some guys where I go, hey, what do you want to do now? And they're like, family time, chill, 
I've got plenty of dough. I want to relax. And so then that's where the general public sometimes will say, oh, that player, he disappeared because he's not in the public sphere anymore. But right. there are many that go on to do, you know, big, sometimes bigger and better things than they did in their career. And I think Mr. Washington is a prime example. He was a major part of the community. He was a very successful franchise business owner. And you know what? And as you get comfortable with our with our young show here, the, the Legends Lounge, you're going to learn that not everybody is like a super uber, you know, Hall of Fame or, or super uber star legend. You know, for some people, maybe in the Oakland area or some other area, you know, that's one of their legends. You know what I mean? So what we mean by legends now is just, you know, guys that played the major leagues, left an imprint, and by golly, we want to know, you know, what's going on, you know, after baseball and some cool stories. And hey, part of the benefit of being who we are and working with the great people at Major League Alumni Marketing is that we can get connected to just about anybody <laughs> Uh, outside of the game of baseball, I'm you saying bet. anybody that that played and now is outside of the game of baseball. So all, all of your former players. So I, that that just brings me to hey, letting us know that if you're listening to this right now and you're having fun and you're thinking about a favorite player that you had growing up or just in yes. life, or you're wondering where someone's know. at, shoot us a note. Okay, we'll we'll drop the email for you in just a bit. Also, you can hit us up on social. I'm at Scott Braun. And you can let us know if there's a player that you'd like us to get connected with for a future Legends Lounge pod. If you were with us a little bit ago, I dropped how we have not one, but two already lined up for the next couple of weeks. I'm very much looking forward to talking to Sweet Lou Pinella. And then also, I, I am very, very pumped for Dante Bichette. But, uh, oh, because, and I yeah. was about to say Bo, but that <laughs> came out of me because how can it not? Stud. I want to hear all about Bo, life with Bo and, and teaching some of the young Blue Jays hitters. And also, I feel like there's a little extra juice to that conversation. We're going to have coming fun. up because you guys are boys. Yeah, we're we're tight, man. And you know, he lives in the area here in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, and not only have I seen his son born and grow up, but we played back in the day. And in, in, in uh, La Romana, we'll have some cool stories about going, you know, even to go play in Curacao and, and doing that, that fun year. Cookie Ross was our manager and, and, and we dealt, man. We really kind of grew up uh, there and, and we got became better ball players as we migrated into our own, you know, uh, future careers. Get ready for your VIP pass back in the lounge next week. See you soon. The Legends Lounge Podcast is brought to you by Major League Alumni Marketing. Hit us with questions or comments at legendslounge at mlbpaa.com. Check out our memorabilia at mlamauthentics.com. Later, Legends. Legends.